Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, this is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Michael Gauvier. Michael's an author, director, screenwriter, actor, playwright, and producer. He's presently working on an animated feature film and another animated short, aside from the one we'll mostly be talking about today, If Anything Happens, I Love You. Michael's written many stage plays, including The King's Proposal, which was highly recommended in the Chicago Reader and Critics pick in Time Out Chicago. He's just finished his newest play, Hamlet's Dead. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm happy to have you. You know, uh, I I saw your film, I think, when it first immediately came out. As you would guess, you know, my feed is filled with with grief themes because mm-hmm. of what I do, and it just was so beautiful. And I know you've just um, put out a companion book, so I'm really excited to to talk with you. From the angle of the particular conversation in your film, but also the general um, shift towards talking about grief, um, that's a big relief to me, I'll tell you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was the, the unique thing with the between the book and the film is the film is from the parents perspective and we did not want to just to create another thing that's the exact same thing again in graphic novel form so we changed the perspective and the book is from the daughter's perspective so it it kind of fills out the world and it shows these other pieces and and we think it just there's just much more story to tell so that's why we kind of created the the book to go with it and Having read the book and seen the film, they're, they're remarkably different experiences considering it's the same story, and we'll get into that a little more. But let's let the, the listeners in a bit on the story. You kind of went to what many would probably qualify as the, one of the most intense griefs. I don't like to compare grief, but losing a child to gun violence is... is um, obviously down at the heart of what grief can be yes absolutely i think you know all like i i I highly agree with your statement you know i don't like to compare grief at all i think everyone's grief is so personal and and it's so deeply felt but i do think this kind of shocking uh death at a school, a place that's safe, a place for learning, a place for, you know, caring and growth is it hits particularly hard. And that was something, you know, Will and I, when we, um, you know, when we both grew up, the most elaborate thing that happened in our school was like fire drills. And, right. Me and, too. Well, exactly, actually, right? no, for me, it was uh, hiding under the desk because a bomb might that was that was the other thing that, that yeah. you can tell the generational shift like some people can't say, you. They're hiding from a nuclear bomb was like my parents. And then we had fire drills and now you have active shooter drills, which are so intense and, and, and they create a different kind of, you know, trauma to prepping for this thing. And it, it, it's, it's 
disturbing. And that's why we want to also show, you know, kind of what is happening in schools and also show the, uh, the aftermath of just one family. And, and the story is not at all focused on the act. It's focused on what grief looks like in those quiet moments. And that's mm, kind of what yes. we really wanted to focus on with the film and the book. And at the same time, you know, when, when you lose someone in such an event, and in my mind, there's the grief and there's the trauma you know that they're intersecting in in ways that for instance my wife died my first wife died of cancer it was a long illness you know we prepared and prepared and prepared ad nauseum that mm-hmm. is not the same experience in my in my book course, as I mean, something oh, so yeah. traumatic I mean, it's just, you know, you, you went and, you know, you dropped your child off at school and and that was the last you saw him. And I think it's this thing of like, it creates all these other narratives in your mind, which are, you know, very destructive and also very natural of like, what could, what could I have done differently? You know, for and sure. I, I think that's so hard. Um, and that level, you know, of, of grief and, and pain. And, and this is a wound that never really goes away and it never will. And it's just a matter of like, working with the grief and kind of like being brave, like every day, whatever that looks like to you. It's like, I just got up and, you know, I took a shower and I got dressed and it's like, and that was a big brave act with the level of, of grief that's occurring. I'm a grief counselor when I'm, I mean, I guess I'm still a grief counselor when I'm doing this show, but um, that is something it's very hard for people to incorporate that doing anything in deep grief um, is by rights difficult. Mm-hmm. And you you deserve your own support if you can move a finger. As far as I'm concerned, I I could not agree more. Absolutely, it's like the bravery of just you know keep going and whatever keep going looks like to you on that particular day. And and I think it's that's the goal to try to just keep keep going and whatever it is. It's just like I got up and made cereal, and you're like that's wonderful, you know. Yes, and it's just those kind of things. As I was getting ready for today, I was reminded of an of an interview I did um, with an author, Liz Tishner. She wrote a book called The Night Lake about um, many losses that happened around the same time, including the loss of a child. Mm-hmm. And she describes that the most comforting thing anyone said to her is, I am trying to imagine how it is for you. You know how everyone says, I can't imagine? Yeah. And I, that, thank you. That is a wonderful point because what does anyone want? They want to feel seen. Yes. That's it. You don't yes. have to, you don't have to know this whole experience, live this whole experience as they just want to feel seen. And I think that was something we tried to very much honor is that people could see their grief in the film, in the book and, and acknowledge also with the community that it's like, we see it and we're not trying to like, sidestep it by saying, well, I can never comprehend that. Um, that's that's literally a brush off, I feel. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> it's a total brush off. And it's like, for whatever, they're overwhelmed, whatever it is. But it's also, it, it's, it's, it really is detrimental to people who are going through grief and actually at those moments are trying to reach out and in any kind of way that they can. I know that the film, you know, it won an Academy Award. It um, was viewed uh, millions of times. Yeah. And um, it, it, I'm not surprised by that. 
um, when I started this show, I had a lot of listeners right away. I think people are hungry for uh, ways to interact with their own grief because most people have it. Um, and it's a beautiful film. I don't want to minimize the film whatsoever. Um, it wouldn't happen if it weren't. But taking those deep dives, I think people are craving it, to be honest. 100%. Uh, I think that's actually what people want. And it's the hardest thing is like when you try to put things through like a studio, like when we pitched this film, we pitched it to a lot of major studios and everyone said this direct straight quote, it's too sad. No one will watch it. That's what we were which, told. Which isn't even, there's so such strong evidence that that's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. A hundred million uh, people, over a hundred million people have watched the film already. And and it broke all these records with Netflix to the thing. It's like they didn't have any matrix or data to understand what the film was doing because it was, it, it overperformed by like, I think like 1500%. It was like astronomical numbers. Um, and, even, you know, if if you even look at a TV show like, let's say, This Is Us, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's saturated with grief content and and the different ways that people in a family respond to a loss. That's what it's about. And that was a very popular show. So <laughs> I don't even see how it gets. It, there's something that hasn't caught up there, isn't there? I, well, I think it's the thing. It's like, I think it's one of those things. Everyone says no until all of a sudden it does well. Then everyone says, oh my gosh, we're always into it. And, <laughs> and, and it's like, it's like that kind of, it's very Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking where it was like, oh, I was in, I was into it from the beginning. And you're like, yeah, but you're saying that after it's already achieved it. <laughs> like, so. Well, and that's something I was interested in speaking with you about because um, I happen to have a daughter who's a filmmaker. Mm-hmm making a beautiful film they made the short it's finished but they're you know fundraising for the long and uh, the feature um, as you know all about and it is you have to if you're not a well-known filmmaker Mm -hmm. which neither of them are um, you kind of have to go so far out on the limb um, and you're describing, you know, not being able to get support. Well, that means you have to really want to make it. Oh, it's it, this is you have to whatever project you're doing, you have to be so invested and keep driving and keep going and you can't stop. And you're just you're searching for that. Yes. And you're searching for that right. Yes. At that wherever that location is. And and you just have to keep going and be you know so tenacious. And I'm impressed with anyone who finishes a film. Because I know so many filmmakers, I have so many friends, so many screenwriters, like so many things just fall apart in development and never get done. And the fact that people get films done, I'm just always impressed and and so uh, proud of them. You know, it's like you did it. You completed a task that is very much set against you. And I have have an idea I want to run by you, which is that... um... People who have experienced grief, I've listened to some of your interviews with your fellow filmmaker, um, and I feel as if people who've experienced grief do have those kind of driving um, callings to do something, even when it's not getting supported, Uh, that, that it does maybe contribute to some tenacity about wanting that conversation out there. 
I, 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 yeah, I think people want to have the conversation. I think the drive to get it out there is because you want to have the conversation personally. Like this is, you know, our artistic statement about grief, about gun violence, about this kind of loss. And like, this is the statement we wanted to have these conversations about not, you know, um, you know, not about the actual act. I mean, the act is important of, of how she died, but it's also just what it looks like after and all these other things, because I think there's this huge blow up when the moment happens, but then it's like, you know, months pass, years pass and years pass. And this wound is still here and showing the wound of a family um, and what that actually looks like and feels like, you know, as opposed to kind of like, well, you know, kind of like, you know, I can never imagine it like you were saying before, where it kind of is a blow off of, of the right. Students. Mm -hmm. The difference between um, the, the the film and the book were both wonderful in their own ways and very different ways. In my in my um, eye, I guess, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because the film I felt was so deeply emotionally based. There was no explanation. Mm -hmm. It was just raw emotion, which I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. And it resonated with everybody I've ever worked with in grief, that at first you're just lost and you don't know what to do and you don't know if you can talk about it. Everything's all over the place and it's, and it's kind of everyone's alone in it. Absolutely. I think I think the first like the catalyst of the film was like I pitched Will this concept I was working on and I said I wanted to create a film that had these like shadow souls and it's like the inner part of you that can't connect yourself because of grief and trauma and you can't you know you're kind of fractured and there's two yous there's the shadow self of you that is outside of you then it's, it's everything's not in harmony and mm -hmm. you can't connect them and that's visually represented in the shadows you see in the film and that was the kind of the beginning of it and i, I talked to will about these concepts and he was became very obsessed with them and then we you know filled out you know the rest of the story and kept having these other deeper kind of uh meditations on grief and and these quiet moments and and it was so hard to write a film and create a film that has zero dialogue because mm. um you know people joke and they say well what was your screenplay look like did you have a paragraph like you know, <laughs> right because you're like there's no words and everyone assumes the screenplay is you know only words you know dialogue and uh, it was 12 pages long and it took us about a year to distill everything you see. And we would describe these scenes and it was like, we would describe it as like, you know, um, you know, a man and woman, you know, uh, you know, uh, sit across the table for each other. They're each kind of pushing their food around. They're not connecting. And we're describe what the shadows are doing behind them, you know, arguing and fighting, but they're kind of numb to themselves. And we mm -hmm. kind of described all these scenes and all the things you're feeling. And then uh, that, that was kind of how we developed the script. And then, you know, we transferred it to, you know, the uh, uh, animated form. And I know that you, you had some, um, well, we could call it serendipity, <laughs> or we could call it, uh, you know, luck, or we could call it many things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, about who ended up being involved in the film. It it feels to me like you really happened upon, and I and I use that term advisedly, the right people and the right contrib contributions for this particular project. 
Absolutely. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, there was a lot of lessons learned here. I mean, one is like, you know, we created something that was so strong, so emotional. Once we got it to the point where you could really see it and everyone could see it as opposed to just hearing us talk about it or read the script. Um, everyone wanted to get involved because they go, Oh my gosh, we see it. This is something special. And that's how we got, you know, like Laura Dern became involved because she's very active with every town for gun safety. Ah, And so that lined up and that's, and, and, you know, she, you know, she's, you know, our, our, we know her as well. And so she's our friend and, you know, but um so she, she jumped on board quite quickly, her and her producing partner, Jamie Lemons, and they helped um, elevate us to kind of like open some doors and start some conversations with uh, places that we might not have had before. And, and your animators, I seem, it seemed um, similarly magical and your, the, was, the musicians, yes. you know, people said, lot, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. We had a lot of luck and a lot of love um, from different people. And, and we wanted to create a goal of providing um, opportunity for people who don't get opportunity. And so all of our animators, they had just graduated from Cal arts mm-hmm. and this was their first kind of major project they had worked on post uh, college. And so it, it launched, you know, a lot of different those those careers and also, you know, helped them. And so it was very fun to work with, you know, up and coming people. And it was like, it's one of those things like we're giving back in that way, because I, I always wish I had that opportunity when I was coming up to be part of something special and be given a huge shot at something very early. So you know, that's that's really interesting because it people kind of divide in two categories, um, climb the ladder and lift the next person up. That's what Mm -hmm. you're talking about. Or uh, climb the ladder and shoot them down because they should have to go through the the horror that you did. Right. Totally. (laughs) And 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 I've I've seen both and we probably all experienced it in every kind of career. We've all experienced that. And it's it's nice when it's. You know, the way it's like, look, I, I'm not threatened by pulling people up behind me. Um, and it's I have no way is it going to reflect. I think it will only help all of us. You know, all ships rise. That's that's kind of, that's, you know. that's my point of view. Mm-hmm. And I've seen I've seen evidence of that, that, you know, if we if we live together, we all go further you 100%. Know, in some way. But um, what a great thing to to offer people, you know, to actually. And of course. Uh, there's enthusiasm being a new whatever you are. 100%. So that, that doesn't hurt. But I also wondered if um, it seems to me that people who would be excited about the project would have some relationship themselves to grief. I think a lot of, I mean, our animators, they all, um, Young Renault was, you know, the lead, lead animator. And, and she, uh, she just is so emotional in her animation and drawing and, and, you know, boarding of stuff. And I think that happens. I don't think she, she, my understanding, she doesn't have a tremendous amount of like direct relationship, but she's an artist. And I think artists feel grief of everyone all the time. And so I think, Mm -hmm. you know, artists are always just taking this in this human experience and, and I think she was able to express that very well. And it was very mature for her age um, to express that. So it was very, it was a beautiful pairing. Mm. It, it sort of circles around to that idea that uh, the willingness to look, you know, the, the, the willingness to, 
consider what it really is like to feel that level of pain. I, I do think maybe artists are a little more inclined to say yes to that. I think it's hard to stay mm. in that moment. I think, you know, when that moment presents itself and it can be very overwhelming and intense and it's hard to stay in it. And I think, you know, a lot of artists, you know, do and are willing to kind of like, okay, what does this really feel like? Let's, mm-hmm. let's really go there and, and express it. It's time for our first break, but we'll come back to more about that because I know that you and and your partner both have experienced grief and that's underlying how this came to be in part. So let's talk about that when we get back. Listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. And there's also a link if you would like to purchase my novel. And everything else I do is also linked there. To find Michael Govier, go to www.ifanythinghappensiloveyou.com. Be back soon. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com dot com slash good grief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Michael Govier about his film and movie, and, sorry, film and book, If Anything Happens, I Love You. And right before the break, um, you know, I, I mentioned that I had 
heard you and your co-writer producer talking uh, on a couple of interviews about your own relationships to grief and how central that is, which of course is an example of what this show is about, that sometimes something comes out of our losses that's unexpected and beautiful. And I wonder if you could talk a little more about your own losses and how looking I'm, I think this is a rearview mirror kind of thing a little bit. Um, how did that lead you to this film and about this subject? You know, how do those two intersect for you? Yeah. And I think, yeah, on, on a personal level for my family and, and, and my wife and I, she lost her brother um, very young. Like he was 23 and she was 21. And because of the, he died very fast. It was, um, he was traveling overseas and he got bacterial meningitis and died within 24 hours. Mm. And it was a very fast, shocking death or he passed away, you know, surprise, you know, and um, in the course of doing this film, you know, uh, my wife and her family, you know, I don't think they, re I think it was so shocking that they boxed up a lot of their grief and did not, you know, let it out. And I think in this, and we never really talked about her brother, Joe, that much at all. And by creating the film and starting to talk about grief, just in my own personal family, we started to bring back, you know, family that, you know, the family members, as we started to talk about the experience of the loss and what we miss about them and, mm. and bringing it all back together. And you, you know, you kind of, you know, keep, living they keep living on through these stories and i and that was something that i was not expecting to come from the film on a personal level how it would mm. directly relate and it it, it changed us and it, it healed a lot of things within the family because i think there was things that just was never expressed or never got to get out absolutely i've i've um you know that's Typically, for instance, Holocaust survivors didn't want to talk about it. Uh, Vietnam vets didn't want to talk about it. And it had a terrible effect on their children mm -hmm. um, because there's this secret behind the the scenes that's mm -hmm. that's that's directing the action, basically. Yeah. And and then there's such a relief if it's just spoken. So I, I really resonate with that, that idea that people are so afraid to talk about it or it feels too, too traumatic, but actually you heal from that. You heal from recognizing the relationship and not thinking it ended because the person died. It kept going, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's maybe mostly in response to memory, but still that's, that's an active relationship, isn't it? It's a very active relationship. And I think like you're saying like this, this not talking about it, this hiding of the grief or, or pretending or avoiding it, you know, it's, it's kind of like the check will come due in some way, you know, it's this grief is going to pour out of you in maybe very unhealthy ways or other ways. And so it's like, at least if you start to have some kind of conversation and begin it, it will actually start to, you know, heal you and, and, and help you in this way that you maybe you might not expect. I'm a real advocate. Um, my kids 
I've mentioned this on the show before. They they think I talk about death a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> What's Thanksgiving like? Is it a little? Their joke, their joke yeah. between them is, you know, not everyone likes to talk about it as much as you. <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> but sure. I just really do believe, and and as they mature in age. They have a starting point when they have their own losses. They do talk about them, right? And <laughs> that's, have, and that's, so that's, I'll take that. Gift. I'll yeah, take that accusation gift. anytime. Yeah, yeah because, that's a gift. So that's very much a gift to at least have, you know, the, the vocabulary to start with a conversation to like, you know, you know, I mean, even if it's just as simple as basic, like, you know, I feel really sad. You know, like, I mean, just to say that and and like so many things are like hidden in this other way where they're hidden through anger or hidden through these other kind of emotions that are, are, you know, adjacent to what you're actually feeling. And um, I think it's just it's it's so hard to get to the the real root. And a lot of it is like you're sad, you know. What sense would it make if you were not? Exactly. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. That that worries me when. Mm -hmm. When people kind of say they have no feelings about the, a huge loss, that mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. I don't even see how it's possible. Yeah. But um, taking a little bit of a turn, I'm aware that uh, your film came out basically the week before the Bay Area, where I live in California, mm-hmm. uh, the week before it locked down. Yeah, um, that from- was an experience, yes. Yes, and mm-hmm. then... Um, your book just came out, which, let's be honest, COVID is not over, but it's different, yes. right? Yes. There's a sort of a bookend feeling about that. And I wonder how that's been to to be um, identified in the world as people who've made a film about um, crushing loss mm-hmm. in a time when everyone, virtually everyone, has been in one way or another experiencing crushing loss. I, I think it was, you know, it, no one, obviously, no one, we never planned or even thought any of this would happen as far as, but I think the pandemic and the grief that everyone was feeling, especially, we had so many people reach out and say, you know, they lost, you know, a grandparent, a loved one during COVID, and this film helped them or they responded to it because of that loss and grief because they couldn't be there. Maybe they couldn't travel. They couldn't do mm-hmm. these other things. And I think that, grief that was going, I think, I mean, I'm not going to go out, I'm not going to say it gave them permission, but I think it helped push a conversation or push the feeling out of them. Um, Some people related the film, you know how like when you're feeling really sad and you put on that sad album or that sad song and you just cry and it can help you get through something to feel something. Absolutely. The breakup song is is it, right? (laughs) Exactly. There you go. Yeah, you put on that sad breakup song and you just lament what was. And and I think this has that quality to it, where I think you put it on the film or you read the book and you kind of you can get some stuff out. Um and it and it just naturally pulls it out of you without like it's not manipulative, it's not trying to do that. It's just like naturally occurs because you just like you, it just lets you feel, you know? Yeah. I, I once heard an interview uh, with Mark Nepo, the poet, mm-hmm. and he said, you have to be so specific that it becomes universal. Well, that Yes, yes, yes. And that was the goal because, you know, the 
you know, the heart of this is just grief and loss. And it was, and by being that universal, you could make such a fine point of a story and everyone related. I mean, we, we, I've had so many people reach out to me um, who lost loved ones in every kind of different way. Like um, one of the, you know, a woman who was interviewing us before we had, been on air she said thank you so much for making this film you know we lost our our baby six months ago who was six months old mm. and it was just mm. devastating but they said they watched the film and they said they cried and then they started talking and they said it actually helped them because it opened up some conversations between the two parents um and which and can be a real issue i'm mm -hmm. here to tell you because people grieve so differently and navigating a way to share the grief it can be really hard. So I, you you did them a huge service there. It was, yeah. And it was, it was those things. I mean, we always, I mean, we were putting, you know, our grief into it, our feelings and grief and, and what that, that, how it can kind of feel alone, but also there's a lot of love and all these other things into the film. And it was just amazing the response we got from so many different people of, of how, how deeply it affected them. And I also was wondering, which, which is about kind of the, the relationship of your film and book to the community around you. Mm -hmm. um, you neither of you have experienced this loss, right? Neither um, of us have had a direct, um, not through gun violence, but also gun violence is, if you think of gun violence as a larger issue and gun violence, you know, especially with the way every town talks about gun violence, they also talk about gun violence with like suicides. And, yes. and so, and so in that case, I have had those relationships with friends and other, and who, who have been, uh, you know, died by suicide. Mm. And, um, and so there's that kind of loss, but as far as a direct uh, school shooting, neither one of us had had that direct experience. And I was imagining that that meant you really wanted to talk to people who had had that experience to make sure you kind of got it right. That part of it. It, it was, it was more, I mean, that, that is so sensitive and we had so much care and we wanted to have so much respect for all of the, the survivors that we did not want this in any way to be sensationalized about that event or anything about the actual act of a shooter. Um, and that's why it's like, it's very little, it's, it's the smallest part of the film mm -hmm. um, because we didn't, it, we, the film is not about that. And, but we did talk to survivors and we reached out to them and it was very, um, we sent it to them and sent it to people at every town and their response was, amazing they basically said they had nothing to say other than they said thank you and mm. we did a screening and 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 quite a few of the survivors walked up to us it's up to me and will and they said we feel seen this movie makes us feel seen and and one woman even said people ask me all the time you know just like you said i couldn't imagine what that could possibly feel like and then she said well now i have a film and said just go watch this so she doesn't have to explain it I mean, that's such a help because, mm -hmm. for one thing, explaining over and over how it feels mm -hmm. uh, to people who aren't trying to imagine their way into it mm -hmm. is exhausting. 
it, oh, it's so taxing. And I, 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 feel, I have huge empathy for that experience. Like I can't, I, having to re- recycle this to try to make someone else understand when it's like, they're not coming from a place of like empathy or understanding. And it's like, I, I don't, it's, you know, and I'm glad this, you know, might be a small tool to help some people to, to alleviate that conversation. Well, and I know you made it because of a drive to make it, right? Your whole team had a drive to make it. You didn't have, you know, people begging you to make it or any of that. Yes. Um, But, and so I imagine you had to kind of separate a bit from what the reaction to it would be. But at the same time, it must be incredibly gratifying to have done that, to have gone out on that limb, and then to have people say you really captured something about their own grief in the process. It was exceptionally rewarding to have that level of feedback and that response, you know, because, you know, we created a film, we created this piece of art that we wanted to put out in the world that meant a lot to us. And, you know, and, you know, the first goal is when you make a film, it's like, we got to finish the film and, you know, that's it. You've got to finish it. A minor point. A minor point, but it's a big point. You know? Well, it's the, it's the, Without that, it sits in somebody's closet for a long exactly. time. <laughs> exactly. It just sits in this weird purgatory. And, you know, and, and so that was the first goal. It's like, let's get the film done. And, 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 you know, we kept hitting, you know, roadblocks, other things like that, but we were able to complete the film. And that was, and then, you know, we we're like, you know, uh, you know, as the weeks went on and we started getting it, you know, clearer and clearer, and and we started really getting these beautiful images and 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 editing them. We go, this is really special. Like this is really hitting hard with us. It's like, and then you wonder, it's just like, are we this? Are we crazy, or is this this good? And, and I think, <laughs> when when, when your when your own work is making you cry, huh? Yeah, right. It's like, yeah, your own work is affecting us so deeply that we're like, is this is this you know. And it, it was wonderful. And then, you know, we showed it to people and people were like, this is something special. And, and, then and then it just kept finding more and more people who wanted to have this experience and, and feel. Hmm. I, I heard in an, an interview, I, I listened to, I, I will just admit right here that um, I just have not made the leap to TikTok. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it <laughs> was. It's like every time I get good at a platform, there's another one. So I'm a little resistant. Sure. I should probably get over it. Sure. But y- your film blew up on TikTok, did it not? It went crazy. We did not. We did not have a handle. We did not push on on that platform because you know, you know, at that time, it's like we're not going to do a silly little dance for the, a film of this grief. You know, we're not. Right. Gonna, like, how how are we going to push it? You know. Um, so we didn't do anything. But all these, you know, young people who wanted to feel would post a video of them before the film, in the middle of the film and after the film and show how it emotionally affected them. And it had, I think we're at like 80 million, you know, hashtag views and and people went crazy viral with these videos showing how it emotionally, a lot of times they start like, Hey, here I am. I'm gonna watch this movie. They say it's the saddest movie in the whole world. And, and then they watch it and they're just like, they go, oh my God, that was so moving. And then they said, I'm going to go call my grandmother and tell her I love her. Another incredibly gratifying um, result. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was just so beautiful and so heartwarming to see um, 
this intimate experience where they're just opening their hearts to the film and having these very thoughtful moments. And it was just, uh, we never in a million years would have guessed that, but it was, it was so beautiful to watch. You know, I have three grandchildren. They're 10, eight, and three. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been thinking a lot during the, the pandemic times of how they'll be in influenced, impacted by such an early global experience of really monumental numbers of deaths and mm -hmm. people grieving. And, um, and then they're the same kids who are doing drills. Mm -hmm. I, I feel that has to change that generation in some way or another. It's, it has. To, I mean, it's affecting them in all kinds of ways. I mean, we've seen, you know, the stress of the pandemic, the stress of all these things. I think it's there's so many added stresses so early in, you know, their their lives, which are is, you know, but, is a brand new thing. Yeah. And but what I was thinking about, and maybe we can talk more after this break, was also, you know, I'm always um, very respectful of grief. You know, that can't be gotten out of. And things come of it you don't expect. That's the nature of this show, right? Mm -hmm. And those kids who went on TikTok, they've grown up with violence. They've grown up with a lot of death. And they actually wanted to experience your film. Mm -hmm. um, possibly because of that. And then, of course, I like the open conversation. So I'm clapping for that, right? <laughs> I, I, I thought it was so beautiful that they were willing to show up with grief. And I think in a generation where you kind of think like, oh, they're just, you know, you know, oh, they're just doing stupid things on TikTok. And like, this is actually really advanced. Really stuff. deep. And yeah. they're actually having conversations that we haven't seen in a public forum. Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk a little more about that after the break. And listeners, you can go to my website, weatheringgrief.com, or to find Michael Gauvier, you can go to ifanythinghappensiloveyou.com. Be back after the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. 
You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I've been talking with Michael Govier about his film and book, If Anything Happens, I Love You. And um, But before the break, we were surmising, because we can't know, what might come of this terrible um, moment in history with the pandemic, with, with gun violence, with school shootings, you know, all of that impacting, impacting an entire generation. And we can't know what will come, but I just find it so promising that What's happened so far is a bunch of, you know, young TikTok users um, really engaging with your film in a very deep way. I find that really encouraging. I, I am. It, it is. It's very encouraging. And also it's, it's, it's heartwarming and it's exciting that, you know, this younger generation is having these, you know, conversations and conversations that even extend to like mental health that extend to like well-being and things that were not really discussed. And if they were discussed, they were a lot of times shamed, at least in yes. generations. And now, you know, the word mental health, or maybe I go to a therapist with this generation is kind of like, oh, cool. And it's just like, and it, and I like the fact that it's starting to be looked at. It's like, you go to the doctor, you go to the dentist, you go to the eye doctor, and you can also go to a therapist and treat it as the same kind of way to help yourself and be healthy. And, and I, I'm very happy that this is beginning to be the path that it's those conversations are open to get that help that people need. You know, that's so true. My, I mean, as you might imagine, um, kids of therapists do not naturally gravitate to therapy. Mm-hmm. That's their mom's thing, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. But I was talking with one of my kids and and her very, very dear friend the other day, and they and they informed me that everybody they know goes to therapy. Yeah. Yes. They're in their late 20s, uh, which just is not certainly what what it was like when I was in my late 20s. Um, Some people were, but there was not so much you had to get over yourself to do it because it seemed like a failure yes and i think that stigma is being removed and the failure of like oh i have these big feelings i'm feeling grief and like you know oh oh you know just get over it or it should go away is being accepted it's like no this is part of life this is you know as you know it, it's got this you know 
understanding these other things and accepting them. And I think the acceptance is going greater and people are getting help they need and, and the support from, from their peers to say like, Oh no, that's not a problem. Yeah. You should do that. You know, which is beautiful. And I think the TikTok people, you know, showing the film and also showing themselves, a lot of them are just crying and mm. bawling and they're showing themselves in such a vulnerable, intimate way. Um, which I think is empowering to other people watching it, especially younger people. It's like, it's okay to have a big experience and cry and, and feel all the feelings. You don't have to suppress any of them. Well, it's interesting too, because of course, every new new media has an up and a down. We could talk ad, in, ad infinitum about the downside of social media. But I do think that people feel a certain safety to share vulnerable things. Because I, I, there's a little bit of built-in distance there. I yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I think you're hitting on something that's very interesting. I do think there's this because you're in your bedroom, you're watching it on your phone or your laptop. I mean, you've got these other things that are like there's like this safety net around you, but yet you're broadcasting to the world. And right. You're, right. So it's this very intimate experience, but you're showing something that's very real and raw. But there's a safety in doing it. Um, it's it's so unique. And I think that is the positive side of social media, you know, but also it is very much the Wild West as far as there's a lot of odd things, negative things. Any, any, it's neutral. How it's used is positive or negative is how I kind of think of it, (laughs) you know, like any other media, it Mm -hmm. can go one way or the other. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's also what we were talking about before, maybe uh, Mm -hmm. that interacting with people about your deep emotion adds an extra twist. Yes. And I think, you know, then, you know, someone creates this thing, then everyone starts commenting and you start talking and you comment back and forth. And I think it, you know, it bonds you with people because I do think grief is one of the strongest community bonds of people that exists. And I think that binds us so tightly because when these huge traumatic things happen, you know, communities and and when I use the word community, like however you want to think of it, it's like, it could be the community of just you and your grandmother. It could be the community, the family, it could be the community of, you know, you know, literally the whole little town and, and, but whatever it is, it does bond you to someone or some group because of the shared deep experience. I really do truly believe that without community, there's a certain aspect of grief that can't happen. There's a part that you're all alone with, yes, (laughs) but there's a part that only responds to people, that only responds to being seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're you're helping with that, that, um, because if two people see the film and then talk about it, they're seeing each other. Yes. In their own depth. Yes. And they're having this experience and all of a sudden they're, you know, and they're letting the experience, you know, happen as opposed to just kind of like, I think you become such an oasis and such an island if you don't let other people in, you know, at least one other person to kind of reflect, you know, yes, we are feeling that. Yes, that is all happening, you know? Yeah. Well, and this is a little bit, uh, another direction, but also the same direction, which is that you made this film. It was out for a couple of years. You were obviously not done because then you two created a book. Yes, we won. And yep. so uh, can, 
can you kind of share what inspired, because the book is different. The difference to me is it expresses a worldview. Mm-hmm. The film expresses an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but the book has much more belief system in it, I guess, for want of a better word, a, a way of looking at death and where mm-hmm. people are and all of that. So sure. it is different. And yeah. something pushed you to to share that. Both very beautiful, both different. What what got you there? I, I think the biggest thing, how we got the book and got the line on it was, um, you know, I had talked to Will and I said, hey, I got an idea for the opening. And the opening was just, you know, we meet Rose, who's the little girl. And she just says, you know, um, you know, I, I, everyone talks about the day I die, but nobody talks about how I lived. You know, I'm 12 years old and I've lived a lot of life. Hi, I'm Rose. And she introduces yeah. herself, but she's like, she's trying to tell the world and that she's not, her life is not defined by these, you know, handful of seconds or minutes. Her life is defined by 12 years. And you know, acknowledging those years and and what that was when she was here. And I think that was the the big perspective shift that launched us to really open up the story and talk about, you know, the impact that everyone has on the life that's there or not there anymore. And to kind of show, like we said, the community outside of just the parents. And it's interesting because since it is, um, you know, a picture book, Mm -hmm. I was thinking of my grandkids at these three different ages, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they read it, what would be their response? Um, because it's it's not, I wouldn't say, because the, the child is the main character, mm-hmm. it is a little more geared to children. It is. It is in that children to young adult space because that's where the voice is, and the voice of the book is written through Rose, the daughter, um, and so it's written. You know, she's narrating a lot of the story to you and kind of talking from beyond, and that was you know a design that we wanted to do. So it's it is in her language, so it's kind of a simpler language as how she would speak. And it's interesting because I think that. Um... For me, anyway, um, where grief took me was establishing a different kind of relationship with my first wife, mm-hmm. but it's still a relationship. You know, she's in my head every day, even okay. though I've been remarried for almost 25 years. You know, it's an ongoing relationship. And I, I think the book carried you there, like it sort of takes you further than the grief itself into now how how do we carry each other how do we yes, stay this related next, this next relationship or this next phase of the relationship if you will like you know and and it talks about in the book it's like you know they are you know i very much believe you know your 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 relatives and the ones who've passed on are around you influencing you however you want to think of it like either if they're in your head either inside or outside right 100 100 there's times where it's like you feel like i feel the presence in a room for some whatever whatever that feeling is then also just hear the voice of you know my grandfather or you know who we've lost and like you know or my mother-in-law and these, these voices and you go, Oh my gosh, I hear that. And it just appears and you hear it. Yes. And, and it's that, it's that relationship that we also wanted to acknowledge. And I think that for me, there's a ton of love 
there and a ton of hope. And uh, I think that's, that's what we're I We're out of time, but that's a wonderful place to end for the day. Thanks so much for being with me today. People should go look at that film, especially before it changes platforms. It's on Netflix right now. Yes. Anything happens, I love you. And, and go buy the book. Thanks again. Thank you. Next, next week, I'll have Marv Widener, author of When the Rocks Sing, a story of love, loss, and learning to live again. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.